0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colagard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mads Planers feature. I'm City and County Government Reporter Abby Becker. I'm also the co-host of the Mathsplainers with Natalie Yar, the Cap Times' podcast producer. Each week, Natalie interviews one of the Cap Times reporters about their latest cover story. But this week, I'm asking Natalie the questions. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, Abby. Nice to see you. So the Cap Times staff has been covering the spread and the effects of the coronavirus pandemic here locally. You wrote about how local makers and designers are actually filling a gap in personal protective equipment for those on the front lines of dealing with COVID-19, which is the disease caused by the virus. So Natalie, what inspired this story? How did you you know, first hear about these efforts of local makers?
0: Yeah, so it started several weeks back. I uh, started hearing from my editors about some things they were seeing on social media about a few specific local efforts. So, for example, Uh, seeing members of the sewing community talking about sewing cloth masks in response to some requests from hospitals. So I wrote about uh, that and about questions over whether this was a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, And then uh, we also saw a video uh, posted on Twitter by a Madison pediatrician named Allison Craig, who had worked with her team to use essentially plexiglass and a rolling cart to kind of rig up a set up for doing COVID-19 testing, where the providers would not be at risk of being coughed or sneezed on while they're doing their tests. And so I wrote about that also, learned that she'd collaborated with a local makerspace to create a new iteration of that. But at that point, I, I guess I kind of thought that these were individual, isolated efforts. And it wasn't until I saw a video produced by the New York Times that looked at how makers across the globe were teaming up to look at solutions to both some of the simpler problems, like how to make more face masks, to more complex problems, like whether they could 3D print components for ventilators, for example. And seeing that, I realized that this was really a global movement, and I wanted to find out uh, the full extent to which the local maker community, which I knew a little bit about... Uh, for their enthusiasm and creativity, how they were getting involved in this. And the answer I found out was they are deep inside of this and working on it in all sorts of different ways.
1: Why are local engineers, designers and craftsmen answering a call to action to make PPE or personal protective equipment?
0: So in some cases, they're being approached directly by hospitals or healthcare workers who are asking them to make specific things or help them solve specific problems. For example, Lennon Rogers at the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Engineering Department was approached by UW Health to see if he could help create a 1,000 face shields for them. But in other cases, it's the makers themselves seeing these shortages, hearing about them in the headlines, and believing they can do something to help. And starting to work on their own designs or contacting hospitals or healthcare providers to kind of ask for more information about what they might be able to provide for them. As far as why they're doing this, uh, you know, many of these people are working for free, not all of them, but some of them are doing this on their own time, sometimes in addition to other jobs that they have. And the reason for that, I think, is just that's kind of what this community does. These people are passionate about as one of my sources put it, like solving other people's problems. I think especially when it's a practical problem with a possible physical solution, this is what they do. And so when they're hearing about these shortages, they are seeing opportunities for them to possibly be able to help. And they have specialized skills and sometimes specialized equipment. So whether that's sewing machines and knowledge of how to sew to 3D printers or knowledge about how to do mechanical design. They are just eager to get in there and and help, I think. What
1: does the shortage of personal protective equipment look like in Wisconsin? And and did your reporting sort of give you an insight into this?
0: Yes. So as of this past week, we actually have more information about this. The Wisconsin Hospital Association released a data kind of dashboard that anyone can look at online uh, that shows the status of personal protective equipment, also things like uh, the ventilator supply uh, for hospitals across the state. And as of today, according to that data, more than half of the hospitals in the state of Wisconsin would run out of goggles within the week if they did not receive new supplies. And more than a third of the hospitals would run out of N95 masks if they did not receive more supplies within the week. The same is true for face shields. Uh, locally, I spoke to supply managers at UW Health and Meritor, who told me that they had good systems in place for getting supplies, but even with that, they're struggling to get what they need. Um, one of them told me his job had never been more hectic. Also, our colleague Parker Shore has been doing some reporting on these issues, and according to his reporting, UW Health says it's prepared for the pandemic to play out locally. As it's currently projected, but if the peak, which is projected to come sometime between April 23rd and May 23rd, were to be higher than expected, this source said all bets are off. And we do know, according to Parker's reporting, that at least one local hospital, probably more, has told nurses to continue using their PPE, including these N95 masks, longer than what the CDC would recommend under normal conditions. Granted, the CDC has released guidelines that would allow for this more extended use in shortage scenarios.
1: So what are some examples of the types of PPE that local people are making?
0: It's a really wide range. Um, One of the very interesting projects and perhaps the widest reaching so far of the local projects was done by this group organized by Lennon Rogers, as I mentioned before, of UW-Madison's engineering department. He runs the makerspace connected with the engineering department, and he received this request to produce a 1,000 face shields. He had never made face shields before. He didn't know what they were like, so he had to go about the process of, of figuring out how he might do this. But he convened a small group of other people to help him design these face shields, by the way, are uh, used by healthcare workers. They're like a plastic shield in front of the person's face. They're worn over a mask to protect the person's face from being coughed or sneezed on when they're working with COVID-19 patients. And the design that they made, they then shared as an open source document to make it available for everyone from a handy family to a large manufacturer to then produce these. And the design has been adopted by around 300 manufacturers around the world, and their estimated capacity is more than 2 million masks per day that they could produce if needed. So that's one a local design with a global reach. Uh, the same team that worked on that, plus some additional people, have begun working on another high demand item called the Powered Air Purifying Respirator. And these, you'd probably recognize these, these are what you would see if you see like hazmat workers and um, they're walking around in their like moon suits. And the hoods that those people have over their heads uh, to protect them from whatever is dangerous in the environment, underneath those they have air coming in powered by a what's called a blower and that blower is pushing air through a filter and toward the wearer uh, so that they have a clean air supply and this is something that healthcare providers would use when they are doing things with covid patients that would potentially cause them to cough a lot or to vomit essentially putting a lot more contamination into the air So for example, when they're intubating a patient for ventilation, they need something like this to provide extra protection for the workers. So members of uh, the same team that worked on the face shield, plus some additional folks are now working on both creating more of these hoods. So making a new model for how to make the fabric and visor hoods that go over the person and also on the air filtration system that sends clean air to the person. A couple others, Um, there are uh, N95 masks. These are in extremely high demand around the world right now and have made headlines for the fact that they're in short supply. They are a more complicated thing to make for the same reason that they're so important. They can keep out bacteria and viruses, but to do that, they use this electrostatically charged filter. So anybody looking to make those, for example, local makers trying to help produce them, would either need to get their hands on the same kind of filtration material, or they'd need to devise an alternative. Uh, So there are folks who are looking at, for example, how to use HEPA filters made for vacuums for this purpose. But um, there are various reasons that that may not work as well. And anybody looking for an alternative is sort of taking healthcare providers' health into their own hands. And obviously that comes with risks. Locally, there is a company working on this. There's a 3D printing company based in New Glarus called GLW Technologies, and they've gotten their hands on some of this standard filtration material for N95 masks. And they're working on 3D printing a mask into which they can insert that material. And lastly, I would just say that uh, one of the most commonly worked on of these is the cloth masks. Just about anybody with a sewing machine right now might be helping to sew these cloth masks, whether for healthcare providers or for just other people in their community who might need them. Local hospitals initially wavered about whether they wanted to accept these or not for their healthcare workers and have ultimately decided for now that they will accept these donations of cloth masks, but only for non-medical purposes, like for receptionists or for patients being discharged. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs.
1: Is there an argument to be made for just leaving this work to the big manufacturers?
0: I think that that's a great question, and it's one that I raised with a number of my sources because they were emphasizing to me how important it is to involve the big manufacturers if you want to take any of these ideas to the scale needed to meet the global shortages. And so I asked, well, do you need the local makers at all? Could you just leave the work to companies like 3M, for example? And they said that as important as those big manufacturers are, The local makers are playing a really key role because of their ability to rapidly have ideas, discuss ideas, create prototypes, and keep working until they find something ideal. And they said that the large manufacturers that are already producing these things may not be able to ramp up production quite fast enough. And that other manufacturers that could produce these items but don't usually produce them may not initially have the incentive to prototype fast enough to do this work. Uh, So I think one outstanding example of the kind of symbiotic relationship between these two is that Face Shields project I mentioned, where it took local folks, a small team working together to create a design that would scale up really easily and is now being used, for example, by Ford to produce thousands of masks and is available to manufacturers around the country and around the world of various sizes so that we also don't have to just rely on a few big companies to provide the full supply that we would need.
1: Do hospitals and other frontline workers readily accept the kind of PPE that these local makers are
0: creating? That's a really important question. So one, I would say that from what I've seen so far, the different hospitals and uh, workplaces have their own systems for deciding what to approve. So, for example, UW Health is running things through their infection control department before they accept a new design. The makers that I spoke to talked about how it's not worth starting to produce something on any sort of a large scale without knowing who's going to be using it and which hospital or entity is ready to accept them. Uh, and for that same reason, some of them are working with medical professionals from the start to try to make sure that what they're producing is what they will want. As far as how workers themselves feel, that's a little bit harder of a question to answer. A lot of hospitals, from what we understand, are telling workers not to speak to the press or are making it a little bit harder to speak to the press but we do know when it came to cloth masks, for example, that some healthcare providers were pushing back against that. Some were saying, no, what we need are N95 masks, which are what the CDC recommends mm-hmm. for us, and we don't want something less than that. We were hearing from some other uh, healthcare care workers saying, hey, we need last resort items just in case, because something would be better than nothing. So I don't think there was complete consensus on that front. But for a lot of these items, they're very different from the cloth masks. They are, in fact, far more similar to exactly what the hospitals would have purchased otherwise. And they're just coming from a different design or a different manufacturer. And from what I understand so far, it appears that workers are embracing that much more. Some of those nurses and doctors, for example, were even involved in the process of prototyping the face shields, trying them on, saying what they thought of them. And the same for the blower hoods that I was talking about before. And then, of course, there are some workers who would kind of be at the end of the line when it comes to receiving PPE at all. So, for example, workers who are not in hospitals, but instead in nursing homes or garbage collectors or people like that who are not prioritized in the supply chain for getting standard PPE. And my understanding is that some of those people are eager to get Whatever they might have to protect them rather than have nothing at all.
1: What concerns are local makers keeping in mind as they go about creating these products?
0: So a lot of concerns. Uh, one of them, probably the most key, is that most of these makers are not necessarily before this spending their time producing for a healthcare context. So, they tend not to have medical training or experience in biomedical engineering. Some do, but that is not necessarily the norm. And so, they're aware of this and concerned themselves about not wanting to inadvertently expose healthcare workers, not wanting to create a false sense of security. So, I found that they're dealing with those concerns uh, in a variety of different ways. They're thinking about things like what's their production environment like? Is it clean enough? What kind of materials do they need to be using to have the quality that they need? Choosing projects that they think they can safely accomplish themselves. So, for example, no one I spoke to was trying to devise a new ventilator, and most of the folks I talked to weren't trying to create an alternative N95 filtration system, for example, Folks are consulting with medical professionals to get advice about these things, and they're getting their designs vetted um, nationally or locally. And then some people are adding disclaimers, like legal disclaimers to their products, um, or getting legal consultations to find out what risks might apply, because they know that they could face lawsuits, either because somebody gets hurt or sick, or if any of these big companies that would traditionally produce these items accuse them of patent infringement for producing similar items.
1: So this is a pretty anxious time for a lot of people, yet these local people are, you know, passionately rising to the challenge here in filling this gap in PPE. What was it like speaking to these local makers who feel, you know, strongly called to action?
0: To me, it was really hopeful. So I've done some reporting on the maker community already, and I knew about the kind of passion for helping other people solve their problems and for looking for creative solutions. And then to see that play out in this difficult time when a lot of us are being told that like the most helpful thing we can do is just stay at home, try to avoid getting sick, try to avoid getting other people sick. It was very interesting to speak to people who thought that they could do something more than that to be helpful and who had the skills and the tools that might make that possible. It was also really interesting to see all of these folks teaming up and collaborating maybe even more than they usually would. I got the feeling that for most of these folks, this was not about them personally or their reputation or their company or competing with somebody else, that it was really uniting around a common challenge and trying to get as many good minds on it as possible. And that felt promising, you know, at a time when these shortages are certainly making headlines.
1: Well, thanks for sharing all of that insight with me, Natalie. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for talking to me about it.
1: Thanks for listening to my conversation with Natalie Yar, Cap Times reporter and podcast producer. Tune in next week for a conversation between Natalie and public affairs reporting fellow Parker Shore. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the Mad Splainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever else you do your listening and leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, which is all about food and drink in Madison, in addition to Wedge Issues, which is all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard, Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.